This is the game on News Radio KMAN. David G. Travion. When you think of the game Halo, what first pops into your mind? Um, Never played it. I uh, I always think of a game that is so dark, I don't know what's going on. I, I hated Halo. I wasn't a fan of Halo either. I'm sure Troy has never played Halo as well. That would be a no. <laughs> Released last week was a Halo cookbook. Whoa. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I can appreciate the money grab here. Slap a Halo logo on this book. <laughs> put some recipes in there. It's going to sell. Those gamers out there that love Halo, that have bought every game, they're going to buy this cookbook. But in this cookbook is a um, is a recipe for hot dogs. As in, like, you know, put some hot dogs in a, uh, in a pot and boil them. And they've also, like, thrown in some extra stuff you can do with it. For instance, pickled cucumbers. I'm Ooh. like... So pickles is, is, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Add yeah. pickles to the meal. Fried onions, sure. But there is a recipe for wings, sub sandwiches, right on. churros, cheeseburgers, patty melts, and there's also some Chinese food in there. Ma, what is he going to yell? The meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> is it all themed to Halo? Well, that's, that's the joke, right? Like... Food wasn't a feature in Halo whatsoever. Yeah, weird, man. Like, when I'm playing Call of Duty, I don't think of Sloppy Joes. <laughs> you right. don't? If I'm playing oh Madden, my. I don't crave cheesecake. GTA should have a cookbook because there was food in that game. There was, when, yeah. When you're playing Madden, do you crave a hot dog and a beer, though? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now, you made a cliche joke of yelling up the stairs to mom to bring down some meatloaf. That was great. That was great. Well, as a, as a gamer, as a gamer, there is, there is a stereotype about gamers that they're sure. all fat and they are the ugly basement. and they just live in the basement playing video games and they do nothing with their lives. And essentially, I have no room to joke about any of those guys. There are those out there. I like to call them. World of Warcraft players. Dude, don't hate on World of Warcraft. I have, I have uh, <laughs> one of my best friends in this entire world is hooked yeah. on World of Warcraft, and that's what he does when he gets home. I love that. Um, but, you know, there are some of those out there like sell their accounts for like thousands of dollars. Yeah. There's a hustle there. I had a buddy that would make money going. He would You would join up with him in the, the World of Warcraft, and then he would show you where special things were. He would like guide you there. And people paid him real American dollars to do that. He made a killing on it. There are people, it's crazy. I'm no, no joke, I've read about it, that there are a bunch of people out there that all they do for work is play World of Warcraft. They build up these characters like they like you know go up in rank or whatever. I, I don't know much about it. And then they sell off those characters. They make six figures a year. That's crazy. It's insane. So in other words, they didn't need the student loan forgiveness that was announced no. today. No. no. Ten like, grand is chump change. Yeah, they're like, that's Oh, nothing. I know. I'm aware. I think I've run into some of those guys during the game, though. Because I'll see a guy like, ooh, I'm going to fight this guy, take his stuff. And then they'll just crush me. Yeah. Damn. That guy was good. 
he must be building this guy to sell him. What was another? Uh, I saw another. I can't remember what it was, but there was another crazy, ridiculous God, recipe in there. There are like a bunch of TV cookbooks. Like True Blood has a cookbook. I mean, Friends has a cookbook. Why? All but they some ever, of those actually all they ever sense. did was go to Central Perk. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> Centra, uh, The Sopranos. There's oh, a Sopranos yeah, cookbook. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a show that yeah. needs a cookbook. Big ziti, all baby. the eating they did there. All right. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion is back with us. He's across oh, the glass working the board today. Uh, I do want to get very serious today because um, it's a sad day for Chiefs Kingdom. And coming up in hour number two, to kick off hour number two, we will talk to the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Uh, we're just talking Lynn Dawson. I'll tell you right now, you're not going to hear a word about training camp. You're not going to hear a word about the, uh, the preseason game against Washington. Didn't talk a single second about that. It's all Lynn Dawson. And, I mean, you're, you're talking about the voice of the Chiefs who worked side-by-side side with Lynn Dawson for 24 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And also coming up in the next minute, we'll get us we'll get a preview on Oklahoma football with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. But I did want to take this time to talk Lynn Dawson. And by the way, please feel free to call 537-1350. There are those out there that did get to experience maybe Lynn Dawson actually playing some football and growing up with Lynn Dawson as a football player. Here in this room, not really. Mm -mm. We grew up with the Lynn Dawson that was a broadcaster. Yeah. And what's so fascinating, and I think about his career, so call in if you want to, share your memories, share some stories, or just favorite moments, Lynn Dawson moments. Feel free to call in, 537-1350. So his broadcasting, KNBC, is where he became – like sports director or something like that while still a player he was still a player <laughs> yeah. he started in yeah. the mid 60s That's crazy. i mean we're talking prior prior to playing in super bowl 1 would practice would leave and then go do the nightly news it's nuts it's nuts like i just think of like anchorman you know, like, I don't know why, but I think Lenny Dawson would be like, you know, not a champ kind, more of like a Brian Fantana guy as the sports director, like probably pounding a cigarette, <laughs> having a drink. Say, yeah, we look okay out there, I guess. We'll be okay. The boys are back in town, you know? <laughs> I, I always think he would have been so cool to to swap stories with for sure. Like, he, he man, what a sad day in Chiefs, Chiefs Kingdom. It's, it sucks. But, but, like, you played a little college football. Mm-hmm. After practice, what are you doing? Like, do you think you have time for a, a job? To Taking a shower, eating, and just dying. Studying. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You know, and think yeah. about today. Like, yeah. there is so much prep. Oh, I mean, God. training camp, you are busy all day. And during the season, yes, you do have your downtime, but the best players spend their downtime probably getting further ready for the game. Yeah. I, I just want to know what his sports, like him reading. The sports highlights of the day would <laughs> have like he would have at least seen him for the first time. So he's like, uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Frank White got a good hit right there. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, like he 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 had to prepare for the game. So well, you know. he he only had ten o'clock, so he didn't have to worry about six o'clock. I don't believe right. But you're also talking about you know the ability in his case, and and I've seen some of the footage, literally still in his practice jersey. Doing interviews in the locker room. That's crazy. That's or on crazy. the field. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
So what you're saying is he didn't have to do many interviews after the game. He was the one doing the interviewing. <laughs> nobody, right. nobody asked the quarterback questions. No, right. no. it was the quarterback right. asking the Why'd questions. Why'd you miss that block in the third quarter where I got smashed? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a great story today from Brad Porter, who used to work at Metro Sports in Kansas City, and he was talking about how Lenny and uh, Dave Stewart and Karen Kornacki back years ago started KMBZ's. Uh, football, high school football coverage, and they would visit the varying games. Said he's at a Rockhurst game the one night, and the athletic director's looking down there, who's that standing outside of my end zone down there? That's Lynn Dawson. I don't care who he is, he shouldn't be there. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to tell Lynn Dawson to get off your football field. You're going to tell Lenny Dawson, (laughs) number 16. Sure, sure, go ahead. Yeah. I thought that was tremendous. But he was a very good sportscaster, as evidenced by the fact he went on to do the work that he did with Inside the NFL for as long as he did. So that's that's where I remember actually Lynn Dawson the most, because Mm -hmm. a kid growing up in the 90s, every weekend, I would catch... Inside the NFL, Lynn Dawson. I remember Chris Collinsworth mm-hmm. would would join the show, and Nick he was Bonacotti. on there forever. And oh man! I mean, I caught that all the time. That's where I got the most Lynn Dawson. I obviously never got to see him play. He wrapped up his career in '75, oh, so yeah. of course we didn't see him play. But and also, you know, Chiefs broadcast. Unless I was in a car going somewhere, I was watching the TV right. calls. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a whole lot of Lynn Dawson growing up. What other a than pairing! Inside the NFL. What a pairing when you put him with Kevin Harlan. In 1985, and then Kevin followed by by Mitch, and you know, Len was the common thread that took you through Super Bowl one and everything uh, at the start of this franchise, all the way through, and he was tremendous at it. He was great in that role, and really was enlightening, and. You know, it's not exaggerating to say that that he worked with two of the best that we've seen in the region over the years in play-by-play guys. Yeah. But but he always he always felt like he was in control of this of the broadcast. He always felt like that he had your ear, and that Mitch and and Kevin, for that matter, were the guys that were filling in the color around him. And what he had to offer a broadcast. Real quick, I've had three Big 12 referees come up to me in the day and say, you sound like Kevin Harlan (laughs) when you announce games. (laughs) That's funny. I'm like, all three of them said that. I was like, I don't don't see it. I don't hear it. But maybe you're on to something. I don't know. Oh, you do kind of sound like Kevin Harlan. But maybe Troy can comment on this i i definitely want to hear what mitch holtis has to say on this so going back super bowl four with lynn dawson quarterback so you're talking just a few years after the merger Mm -hmm. that was still a time where the nfl was superior we talked about that in fact a little this morning okay in that one of the comments coming out of super bowl one from uh, lombardi was that the NFL was still the superior product because of the fact that they could grind you down, essentially. That they had the weight, they had the power. 
the guys in the AFL took that personally. Lenny took that personally. And it was important to them when they got to Super Bowl four to essentially prove otherwise. And when you factor in Super Bowl three in the mix first, because the Colts were able to do it, or I should say the Jets were able to get past the Colts. In, yeah, Super Bowl three In yeah. the guarantee game. Even that was seen as a fluke. Right. It's when the AFL made it two in a row with the Chiefs winning and doing so uh, with a decided AFL flavor as a team. You know, it, I, I put it like putting Texas Tech and their offense of the past up against your standard Iowa or Minnesota team in the Big Ten. Tech being the AFL team, Iowa being the Big Ten team, or being the uh, NFL team. That's what the difference was in those days. The AFL was built on being flashy, was being built on offensive numbers specifically, and as it, as it was at the time marketed, the more fun game. But the NFL had the pride and felt that they, they were still the better game because they could grind you. And getting Super Bowls three and four back-to-back for the AFL is finally where we saw that begin to balance out and the NFL start to realize that that difference wasn't as wide as they believed it to be. And Len was a huge, huge part of that. Well, it's funny you bring up that the NFL was supposed to be this offensive, better game. The Vikings were supposed to kick the crap out of the Chiefs in yes. Super Bowl four. yes. They were a two-touchdown favorite, two, uh, 14 points. 14-point mm-hmm. favorite were the Vikings, and the Chiefs came in, beat their butts, but they really did it with defense. True. It was the defense that really laid it in on the Minnesota Vikings. Plus, also that run the Chiefs made in Super Bowl Four. I know, I mean, we're going back, but we're talking Lynn Dawson here. A different game, a tougher man's game, you could say. But their run to that Super Bowl oh. should be talked about because they beat the defending champions – the Jets. Mm-hmm. They then run into, uh, if I remember right, they run into the Raiders. Yes. So the Raiders were really good. They won that division, mm-hmm. and they beat the Chiefs twice. Mm-hmm. And then the Chiefs go on the road. They go to Oakland. And win in Oakland. Yeah, and win in Oakland. Grind that one out. Speaking <laughs> of which, and, and you and I were talking about this earlier, NFL Network tonight, 7 o'clock, they are going to do a replay of America's game, the 1969 Chiefs. Right on. 65 toss power traps going to be somewhere in there, baby. Of course. Oof. And and the reason is, is in honor of Len Dawson. Yeah, buddy. That's awesome. Well, coming up at 510, we will hear and talk more about Len Dawson with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, who works side by side with Len in the booth for the Kansas City Chiefs for 24 years. Again, that's coming up at 510. Up next, we continue our Big 12 previews, talking Oklahoma Sooner football with Ryan Aber next. It is a hump day edition of the game with Mitch Troy, DG, and Travion. Coming up at 510, we'll hear from the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. We are talking the legacy of Lynn Dawson. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything is all coming up. Right now, we're pleased to be joined from the Oklahoman. He is an Oklahoma Sooners beat writer. Ryan Aber now joins us here on the game as we preview the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022. Ryan, greatly uh, appreciate your time here on the show. 
Uh, the big story about three weeks ago was Kale Gundy. That, that was a really big mess for a couple of days where he read a racial slur off a player's tablet and uh, I guess said it a couple of times after there was two statements made by Brent Vittables. But is there a concern heading into the season that could potentially be a distraction? Well, the the uh, only coach that we've talked to, or actually the only person we've talked to officially has been Brent Venables about it. We haven't got a chance to speak to the players yet. Uh, hopefully going to get a chance to do that finally uh, tomorrow. But Brent Venables said he was working to, to, to not make it a distraction. And I, I think it's going to be difficult given the, the timing of it uh, early in camp. But at the same time, uh, I, I think the, the main uh, area where it could be a distraction is with that wide receiver group, the people that were there for the incident that ultimately led to Tail uh, Gundy's departure. But the the people I have talked to about Ladamian Washington, the uh, replacement, uh, interim replacement for Tail Gundy at wide receivers coach, just talk about the way that he's able to really connect with players, and he did that during his playing days at Missouri and uh, beyond, and. He's done that early in his coaching career, but we'll see how well they're able to navigate through that because wide receiver, like pretty much every position group with this team, is uh, you know a big question mark uh, going into this season. They've got a lot of talent, but uh, not a lot of proven talent, and they're going to need people other than Marvin Mims, who's sort of a known commodity, to uh, you know really make big strides this year. Yeah, you said a lot of new faces in Norman, Oklahoma this year, including who you said the head coach, because uh, back in November, Lincoln Riley does something nobody has done since Chuck Fairbanks in 72, leave Oklahoma for another head coaching job. I mean, (laughs) there there was a lot of dramatics there, right? I mean, there was that statement he made back in February where he says, we didn't take any Oklahoma players with us. We just went to the transfer portal, and that got folks (laughs) riled up. How are Oklahoma fans? If you believe fans- that, I got uh, <laughs> got some oceanfront property to sell you. How are Oklahoma fans doing now with that move? Is things settled down, or is there still a lot of bitterness? Oh, there there's still some level of bitterness, but I think for the most part, people are excited about the prospect of, of what Brent Venables brings, especially on the the defensive side of the ball with that defensive mentality that hasn't been here for uh, quite a while, and uh, you know they they're still upset that Lincoln Riley left, but I think there's a lot of people also who sort of say, oh, they'll be better off. And heck, they might be overall, especially as you look at the move to the SEC, they might wind up being better off overall. But Lincoln Riley did a lot of really, really good things there. And the the question is, uh, in the short term, how are they going to be? Are they going to be able to overcome all those question marks on, on both sides of the ball and finally start uh, making strides, but uh, there's a lot of people who are really excited here about uh, Brent Venables being here, the the culture uh, that that he's brought with him, especially uh, some of the the things that he brought with him from Clemson, and uh, the, the the prospects of things in the long term for the OU football program. Watching up here from Manhattan, I, I got to say, what all unfolded with. Lincoln Riley leaving, Brent Venables comes in like, okay, you're portrayed once, but at least you had a home run higher. But Kayla Williams, who was there like front and center walking in with Coach Venables when he was announced as the new head coach and then leaves a little while after that to join Lincoln Riley, 
at USC. I get the bitterness, Oklahoma fans. I really do. That You feel very betrayed at that point. But Brent Venables is the new guy, 23rd head coach, now with Oklahoma. Hasn't played a game yet, but maybe more of an now defensive-minded approach towards Oklahoma football, which kind of you can kind of relate that to the Bob Stoops era when that began. The recruiting part of it, saying the right things. How's he doing so far? Yeah, absolutely. The, the recruiting has certainly changed. It's a different approach from from Lincoln Riley. It's a very much a hey, you know, if you you say you're ready to commit, let's catch our breath a little bit, take your time, and make sure that when you commit, you're 100 percent in because. Brent Venable said if, any, if people take visits uh, elsewhere, he doesn't c- consider them committed and, and things like that, which is a much different approach from what Lincoln Riley had. The results so far have been pretty positive, especially in the summer. They In June, uh, they, they really racked up uh, commits for that 2023 class. But uh, there, there's a lot of optimism, but clearly they, they needed to make strides in that, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the defensive front not only to compete with the Alabamas, uh, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, when you talk about the, the national picture, but also just to compete once they make that leap to the, uh, the SEC because it's a, a different animal over there for sure than what they've faced in the Big 12 the last few years. So Kayla Williams goes to USC with Lincoln Riley. Spencer Rattler also transfers. He goes to South Carolina. Dylan Gabriel comes in from UCF. But coming off that injury, is he 100%? And what's been the buzz about him at fall camp? Yeah, he, he's been uh, full go here during the, the summer and, and the uh, preseason. And they, they really feel good about where things stand with Dylan Gabriel. The biggest thing is it helps them sort of hit the ground running when it comes to Jeff Levy's offense because this is the same offense that Gabriel ran at Central Florida for the first two years of his career. The one they ran last year was a little bit different. Not that Gabriel played a ton last year, but it's just so different. You know, what they're being asked to do, the pace at which they're being asked to play. And, you know, for everything about Gabriel, you know, there's nothing that really just absolutely jumps off the page at you as far as arm strength, as far as ability to make reads, things like that, but just his physical presence. But he does everything really well. It's, it's, you know, there's not a whole lot of just obvious glaring deficiencies in his game. And, you know, they really like what they've got there with Bill and Gabriel. You know, would they have liked Caleb Williams to hang around? Sure. But I think one OU fans, I think, are a little bit softer on Caleb Williams than some of those other guys just because at least Caleb Williams stuck around and played in the bowl game and gave it a, a little bit of a chance versus some of the other stuff. But they, they got really lucky on the timing to be able to still go out and get Dale and Gabriel because they were down to the last uh, few hours before he took his first class at UCLA, which would have uh, ended any chance of him being able to play this year for the Sooners. We're speaking with Ryan Aber, Oklahoma beat writer for the Oklahoman here on the game as we preview the Sooners football season here in 2022. Offensively, you mentioned actually earlier that uh, still a lot of question marks on both sides of the football some holes to fill, but Marvin Mims, he's returning at wide receiver. Eric Gray should be the running back, right? So, And also, I know you have some holes to fill on offensive line, but is is there still enough optimism with the returners on offense to be successful, along with quarterback Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, there is. I think one of the biggest questions is just the way that offensive line comes together because it never really fully gelled last year. They would have times where they looked really good and then times where they'd be you know, pretty shaky, and they feel really good about McCabe McCower, the transfer from Cal, and some of the other pieces that they're throwing in there. But you know, at wide receiver mentioned Marvin Mims. 
uh, you know, certainly they feel really good about what he brings and his role increased at the end of last year. He didn't have a ton of catches in the early part of the season before the quarterback switch was made. But uh, at wide receiver or running back, excuse me, that's a big question for this team because Eric Gray never really settled in to what they thought he would be last year as a, a dual threat kind of guy. Did a little bit of it, but Kennedy Brooks really uh, took the reins of that number one running back. So it's going to be interesting to see if Eric Gray is finally able to fill into that role that they thought he would coming from Tennessee, or if a guy like Marcus Major, who has been around the program for a long, long time but hasn't gotten many carries, part due to injury and part due to off-the-field issues, if he's able to finally put it together because he's looked really good in each of the last two bowl games, but those have been really uh, the majority of his contributions in each of those two years. Certainly question marks defensively as well for the Sooners is just to name a couple playmakers that have departed, Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito, off to the next level. Do you see, like, what would you say would be, think of preseason, would be the strength of the defense this year? Yeah, I, I think the, the strength has got a chance to be the defensive front, which is uh, when you look at everything they lost from it with, uh, you know the, the guys that you mentioned, but also Terion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas, yeah. and a couple more guys that are uh, off the NFL. They lost a lot of talent from a defense that wasn't really uh, that good last year. They certainly underachieved by all uh, by all measures. But the Brent Venables scheme, with uh, the way that they bring pressure, I, I think fits a couple of these guys a little bit better than uh, Alex Grinch's scheme. When you talk about Marcus Stripling, uh, a guy who had a lot of success in that uh, bowl game as well. When you talk about Ethan Downs, who had a a solid freshman year but really uh, came on strong at the end of the year, I think he's got a chance to be uh, a a really good player. Um, Same thing with with Reggie Grimes, who has flashed uh, flashed at times but hasn't been able to do it consistently. Uh, And and then on the interior, or uh, just on the defensive line, period, They've got a couple of transfers that they feel uh, really good about. Uh, Jonah Lau the transfer from uh, Hawaii at the defensive end. Jeffrey Johnson, who gave OU uh, all kinds of fits last year in the season opener against Tulane, and now he uh, joins the Sooners. You know, I think even though they're not probably as talented as they've been uh, there, they've got a chance just because of the depth that they have, which is a little bit different than they've had to uh, be more successful up front. Ryan Abers, our guest from the Oklahoman, previewing Oklahoma football here on the game. Got a couple more for you. As I preview the Big 12, bringing all my guests on and, and kind of asking all the same questions, I haven't asked anybody about kickers this year. And I, that's just because maybe the listeners may not be as interested in the kicker position, but Gabe Burkich, I mean, that's one of the best kickers that Oklahoma has to replace. What's been the discussion about who can replace him? Yeah, that's uh, one of the, the position battles that we've been watching uh, over this preseason. And it looks like it's down to uh, Zach Schmidt, a, uh, a sophomore uh, from Oklahoma City, or uh, Gavin Marshall, uh, a freshman from uh, the Dallas area. Uh, Brent Venable said last week that really liked where both of those guys were, that they had had really solid camps. The day we talked to him, he said that was uh, their their day when they they didn't perform as well. So, um, but it looks like my guess would be Zach Schmidt would be the guy. He got a chance to uh, kick a couple extra points last year. Uh, I believe one field goal 
uh, last year, and they feel really good about uh, what he brings. But uh, that that's certainly going to be a big one. They're going to miss Gabe Burkett because um, he was as automatic as, as anybody's been in really in OU history, uh, at least for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, they, that's a big uh, gap to replace for sure. Well, Ryan, to wrap up here, I'm going to put you on the spot because after all you've said, I, I still think there's a lot of optimism for sure. I mean, it's Oklahoma football. you got to have optimism in, in the Sooners year in and year out. But, I mean, this last year was the first time that Oklahoma didn't win the Big 12 championship or make the Big 12 championship game since 2014. So it's it was a rare thing to see Oklahoma in third place. But you mentioned the question marks. There's still quite a bit of talent with the Sooners. So I'll put you on the spot here, a prediction for this season. Do, do the Sooners get back to the Big 12 championship game? And what do you think the record will be for the regular season? Yeah, I, I do think they get back there just because you look at their schedule. It's relatively favorable with uh, starting with UTEP and Kent State and then Nebraska on the road. A lot of their really tough games, including Bedlam, are in Norman, and uh, so I, you know I, I'm not sure that they certainly that they don't dominate like they they had for a long, long time. But I, I think they're probably going to trip up, you know, at some point uh, during the regular season, whether that's to uh, OSU at the end or to, to Baylor. You know, this is a wide open Big Twelve this year, which we haven't said a whole lot. Uh, in quite a while, and uh, they're certainly one of the teams in the mix, but not the team uh, that everybody uh, you know circles that game on the calendar the way that they have in the past. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think they trip up at least once during the regular season or during Big Twelve play. But ultimately, I think they make it back to Arlington. Ryan, I'm going to ask you one more, just just for fun, because you mentioned you think the Sooners will get back to Arlington. So, and you said the the Big 12 is wide open. So, I'm just super curious about who else would you put in that Big 12 championship game? Because you're right. I mean, there's five or six teams that could either two of them could make it in this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Right now, I'd probably say Baylor uh, would be the the uh, most likely opponent for them. What Baylor brings back, uh, especially on the offensive front is really impressive. And I, I think the Bears and, and Dave Aranda certainly have what it takes to make it back. But like I said, there's this is as one for OU, it's as big as a big of a gap that I can remember between like best case scenario and worst case scenario for them and two for the Big Twelve. It's been quite a while since I remember not feeling as confident in uh, the predicted order of finish uh, going into the season uh, for quite a while. So It'll be really interesting to see what happens this year at the Big 12. Well, Ryan, I appreciate talking to you, and it was an honor because I always go to you for my Oklahoma news. I'm sure we'll see you down in Norman on September 24th when the Cats visit, and Oklahoma will uh, open the season uh, September 30th against UTEP at 2.30. Ryan, I appreciate your time. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. There you have it, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman previewing the Oklahoma Sooners. Still coming up at 510, Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis will join us to talk about the late Lynn Dawson, or the game is up next. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G, Travion Berkland back with you on the game. Have you guys seen the I, I've I've laughed so much at these videos that have been going out about this big slide in Detroit? Have you heard about that? I saw the guy get hurt on the he broke like broke his arm. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not see that. But I'm so if you haven't seen it, there's this slide in Detroit that it like opened up for like a day and then it had to close down because people were getting hurt on it, but it's this giant metal slide. And like you you might remember the the, the slides at the fair, of course. Yes. Where it's you know, there's like four or five different slots or whatever, and the kids roll down or slide down them on in uh gunny sacks, whatever you want to call them. And so they have the sacks available for this slide. But it's all metal. And as you go down, there's like five humps you go over. But it's long Uh enough that as further you go down, you catch speed. Well, when these riders are going down the slide, they start to lean back and they start to speed up. So when they're going over these little hills, they go airborne and they are slamming back down into this metal slide. And then they go airborne again and hit even harder. Oh, boy. They're taking some hard bumps. All I'm saying, though, is I am so down to try that slide. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like a rite of passage. If you live in Detroit. The hope that it would be better outcomes than Schlitterbahn. Oof. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This, I don't think you'll be decapitated oh, on. Yeah, you would go flying off of. Every time I see that, or I would see that, thing, it's like, why don't they take that down? That is, it, oh, what a, that was a But this slide, thing. it looks like it does, it originally had a softer covering on it. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And then maybe, I, I don't know, something happened, but it's it's all metal, but it's not like one piece of metal. It's like six inch wide metal paneling. Oh, I don't even know what to day. call it. Like, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry, I was mistaken. The Dodgers TV reporter slid down Bernie's slide yes. in, in, in Milwaukee. In, in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That's where he got injured. That's, Broke that. his wrist. <laughs> you go down, you basically twist and then keep, you know, turn back around and, then and go back. you run into a wall at the end, and I guess. It's you've expensive got to, to ride that thing. Well, you've got to remember, I mean, it's designed for a mascot. That's true. Bernie's slide. Well, Oof. they opened it up to the public a long time ago. What is the price of that? Brewers, I gotcha. Slide price. It's like a buck fifty. Yes, it's a hundred and fifty bucks per person. What? Monday through Thursday, and then weekend and holiday games. Friday, Sunday, and holidays, a buck seventy-five. Now you can ride it all game. I'm pretty sure, but I'd rather just spend. <laughs> 50 bucks on beers and dogs. Hell yeah. I've been on a slide before. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's decidedly designed for brewer fan. You know what? The 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 slides at the fair they they still have them. That was like a moment where I knew I was growing up because I remember when I was a real little kid like oh. that was my ride. Like I could do the slide all day. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it hit me one July in Clay Center at the fairgrounds. Like, I'm not riding that slide. It's for babies. Oh, wait. I'm a man now. Shortly after that, he was following her. Oh, never mind. Get me that dragon roller coaster. (laughs) Take me around. I I was just going to comment that he was following around the neighbor uh, girlfriend, you know, or neighbor's girl, but, you know, something along those lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll take our last break of the hour. When we come back, uh, Troy's going to actually tell us about some history Major League Baseball is making next season. Next. Wow. All right, Troy, there's something about Major League Baseball that has you pretty excited. What is it? 
every American League team will play every National League team in at least one series next year. Whoa! For example, while the Royals will open on March 30th against Minnesota at home, they will have road trips to San Francisco, to Arizona, to Milwaukee, to San Diego, to Miami, to Cincinnati, to Philadelphia, and to Chicago to take on the Cubs. Plus, they'll have their split with the Cardinals, two games in St. Louis, two games in Kansas City. Home or home uh, matchups with National League teams next year. Atlanta, Washington, Colorado, the Dodgers, the Mets, and Pittsburgh. Wow. So the gist of the plan is that they will uh, diminish the number of intra-division games that teams are playing. That will decline by about 20-some-odd games next year to make room for the ability for everybody to play everybody at least one time. See, I've always wanted to be like, I've always wanted to go to a game in every NFL stadium, every MLB ballpark, every college football stadium, college basketball arena. Um, if, if there was a time to follow your team for 162, this is that's the year. Correct. That's the year. If you got the money, if you can pull it off, RV across the country for six months, this might be your only shot to do it, unless this is going to be a regular thing this, from here on out. This is going to be actually probably a regular thing, at least until they renegotiate a CBA again. It might come out then, but for now, it's what's made, what Major League Baseball is going to be. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like it a lot. Coming up an hour or two of the game, don't go anywhere because we're just a few moments away at 5.10 talking to the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, about his former colleague in the broadcast booth. And that's talking about the late Lynn Dawson who passed away today at the age of 87. Number one song of the day in Ask Us Anything is all coming up. We are 10 days away from K-State football. Hour two of the game is coming up right now. Is your local news.